Hello and welcome to today's webinar, TMS Logistics Technology, What Should You Really Expect? I'm Michael Willard in the Transportation Insight Marketing Group. Thank you for taking your time to join us today. Our panelists are ready to deliver some impactful insight that you can apply into your own operational environments. We design our digital events to connect you directly with our team so you can get expert level advice on solving your supply chain challenges. If you have a question during today's session, please type it into the questions panel that you see on your webinar viewer. We'll respond to as many questions as possible during our broadcast. Today, we're fortunate to be joined by two experts who each have more than 20 years experience in the logistics and transportation management marketplace. They'll be relying on that deep experience to discuss some of the most common questions that shippers ask about transportation management system technology. First, we'll welcome Transportation Insight Senior Client Solutions Director, Jason Green. Hey, thank you, Michael. Hey, I'd, I'd like to uh, introduce Aaron. Um, I've, I've worked with Aaron a number of years, really enjoy working with him. Um, he's a process improvement genius. Um, he has a, a Lean Six Sigma black belt, and uh, every time he looks at a process, he finds a way to drive efficiency. And so it's always a pleasure working with him. Very excited to be doing this webinar with him. Thank you, Jason. Um, I, I too have had the privilege of working with uh, and introducing now Jason Green for a number of years. Um, and we, we've played off each other in, in many different ways. We have different um, backgrounds and different, uh, different perspectives, which I think is what makes the world go round, uh, especially in the world of transportation logistics. Um, one of the things that he has a really uh, unique perspective on is, is he's got both a carrier uh, perspective and a 3PL client perspective, right? So he can meld those two worlds together, look at the supply chain through both lenses because he better understands better than most how those two come together to optimize your supply chain. And we're excited to have that level of expertise for both of our panelists. I know we'll have a robust conversation about transportation management systems today. To begin, let's provide our audience with a level set in the TMS marketplace. Transportation management systems are becoming increasingly popular and they're going to continue to do so as businesses seek technology that can help them execute their freight shipments more efficiently and effectively. According to Gartner Research Vice President of Technology, Bart DeMonk, the current TMS adoption rate in the supply chain marketplace is about 29%. That number is expected to climb over 31% by next year, maybe higher. That's especially as we continue to see TMS costs decline and ease of use improve. Of course, this is good news for shippers and TMS providers, but as many in our audience know, we're seeing an increasing number of transportation technology solutions arriving in the marketplace. That's raising a lot of questions and we're gonna get to them today, but first let's go to our experts and make sure we're clear on what a TMS is, what it can do. Aaron, what are your thoughts and what are the trends you're seeing in the market? Thank you, Michael. Um, I think it's important to start this webinar off by demystifying TMS, right? I mean, TMS is not um, really is not a, a easy button, or I could I sell a lot of those here today. Um, but ultimately, it's it's meant it's called transportation management system for a reason. It's meant for those specific functions related to executing shipments and having visibility to those shipments. Things like creating documentation, communicating with carriers. Um, optimal rate selection, and then tracking and, and visibility with uh, 
for your shipments, whether that's vendor shipments or, or carrier visibility. When you get outside of those aspects, which a lot of CMS providers try to do, um, it, it's not very successful when they start to bleed into ERP or WMS type of solutions. Oftentimes you see the reverse of that too. You see WMS and ERPs try to adopt and bring in TMS functionality, but most of the time those are truncated in some capacity. Um, so I think it's important for us to focus on TMS and as an execution tool and talk today about its inputs and outputs um, more so than bleeding into other areas where folks have tried to expand those services. I will say, Michael, that in the numbers that you came up with, you know, 29 to 31%, you know, really that's come on stronger over the last five to six years. Um, in times past, you know, those were, those were climbing into double digits, but now we're seeing higher double digits of adoption. Part of that is because it's become more accessible, certainly. Uh, that's, that's a no-brainer, but I would say bigger than that is that the environment continues to change and evolve into an atmosphere where there are so many variables customers have to navigate that it's almost impossible to not adopt uh, a TMS to help you manage all the variables in the marketplace and the changing environment they find themselves in. Jason, what do you think? Yeah, that's a fantastic context. And, you know, I, I would just say the increased uh, rate of usage is not because it's neat or trendy um, or it's cutting edge. It's, it's because the logistics is becoming more complex and the only way that you can execute your operational strategy is to have some systemic way to capture business rules and implement those. And so as you navigate through um, all the dynamics that are in the industry, you have to have the ability to be able to execute that business strategy. Well, given the advances and the proliferation of TMS providers in the marketplace, and again, that growing need, there's one question we get from a lot of shippers, and I'm going to throw it, throw it right back at you, Mr. Green. Jason, how do I know which TMS is the best for my business? Yeah, you know, there's, there's a lot of options out in the industry. Um, you know, you have uh, economical options like a subscription-based transportation management system. Um, you have... Um, uh, software that you can go purchase, uh, and, and then you have hosted systems, and there's there's uh, pros and cons of, of each one of those. Um, what what I would say, you know, with the subscription-based TMS applications is that, um, you know, for for an economical solution, um, it, it it can help you drive some efficiency um, right out of the gate, uh, but you, you do run into some challenges with the ability to uh, customize your routing. Um, you know, the, those applications typically have API connections with the carriers to, to drive your rating rules. And so you're dependent upon the carriers to, to really have uh, the, the right rates loaded. Um, but conversely, you know, if you were to purchase uh, some software to try and control those rating rules, that can be a very costly expense. You have to have internal expertise to understand the software and the logistics industry to be able to manage those rules. Um, so, you know, it, the the hosted solution um, sounds very appealing, uh, and but it's about finding the, the the right partner. And when you can find the right partner to help you identify your business rules and take those business rules and then implement those into um, you know, a, a routing um, aspect or systemic way to control how you operate your business. That's that's where uh, you, you really, where I see at least you gain the most value. 
Yeah, I, I actually, so I agree with that, Jason. I think that's spot on. I mean, it kind of depends on what you want to get out of a TMS and the expectations you're going into it with. Uh, from my perspective, you know, on the surface, for me, it's it's less about the the actual product or tool itself, and much more about the intellectual capital and know-how of those deploying it and designing it around those business processes that Jason just talked about. The goal of implementing any TMS, regardless of the product type, should be to empower the user to manage by exception rather than by rule. Right? I don't want to touch every shipment. I want to touch those that need my attention and allow a system to bubble to the surface the, those that really need your team's focus and otherwise automate those processes or the steps with the business rules Jason alluded to and give your time time back to your team so they can focus on more strategic things. So I do think it's more important to focus on having someone who is operationally minded has actually used TMS um, rather than just a technician who can architect it. I think that's going to be an important component as we talk through this to think about that user having that perspective and being able to design and architect it to optimize the user's experience right around your business process. And I also think it, it depends on where you are in your journey. So you don't want to automate bad processes along the way, right? So ultimately today you have an opportunity, you know, when you're going after a TMS to say, do we have the right business processes? Because before we didn't have a system to write business processes around. Now we have a system that's the opportunity for you to question those business processes and make sure that you're not suddenly automating bad decisions. You know, otherwise you just get more efficient at making bad decisions and no one wants that, right? That's good food for thought as I think a little bit about the best technology for my business. Let's talk about timing. If my team's laser focused on getting orders out the door to customers or maybe managing inbound shipments at the receiving dock, Jason, is there really an ideal time to implement a TMS into my operation? You know, timing is always a challenge, Michael. I would, I would say, um, you know, timing, change management, budgeting, those are all challenges when, when it comes to implementing the TMS. Um, what I have noticed is that it, the evolution of your logistics footprint really drives uh, the, the right time when you have to implement a TMS. Um, I have a friend that uh, from, from the software uh, world that, um, you know, he, he used to tell me that, you know, when you when you reach about five million in spend, your business really demands the the need for a TMS, but you don't have the funds to be able to afford one. Uh, you know, when you're when you're in that evolution evolutionary process of your business, um, you you typically don't have a budget to go out to the marketplace and and land that TMS, um, and and so. You know, when when you're managing from about five to twenty-five million, you have a um, a, a great need uh, for a TMS because your your business rules and your operational requirements demand it. But your your company may not be large enough to be able to set aside budgetary um, elements to to invest in that type of infrastructure. And so, you have to be a change agent in your organization and and develop. Um, you know, a, a business case and an ROI case of, of how you can land that. Um, so, you know, my, my recommendation would be to, uh, to, to understand the, the landscape of your footprint. And as your footprint continues to evolve, uh, look to see where uh, the, the, the changes uh, that, that you need to, to go make uh, require the, the most amount of systemic focus.
Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll piggyback on that. I think, you know, timing is always a, a question mark for folks. But, you know, I think it, it does depend on where you are in your supply chain journey. And it's important to recognize that everyone's on a supply chain journey, right? And, and where you are in that journey dictates some of what you're looking for from a TMS um, at that time. And it's important to note that, that your TMS should be a scalable solution that evolves with you on that journey. If you, if you silo focus it at the time when, you know, in the early stages, Jason just described, you may be very focused mostly on routing and just making sure you're using the proper carriers, whether it's you or your vendors. Um, that's, that's really low hanging fruit in the world of um, TMS when, uh, versus something that's a much more broadened initiative when you start to look at managing, you know, taking over inbound freight from your vendors and managing that through, uh, through a TMS. So depending on where you are in your evolution um, as a company, I think it will dictate ultimately what you're looking for from a TMS. The timing of that though, you know, is, is critical at a point where Jason described from a budgetary constraint standpoint, from a spend standpoint, um, and more so that you're not at a point where you can't manage those business rules we alluded to. I think that's the starting point where people start to wrestle with, how do I manage these if I'm trying to put it into spreadsheets or I'm trying to print out maps or lots of other things to drive process. That's a good indicator of when you, you probably need something that helps you start to manage those. Just make sure it's a solution that's scalable and that can sustain over the growth of your organization. Thanks, Aaron. That's a lot of good information that certainly can help influence the TMS decision for a lot of shippers out there. And we're certainly addressing some of the questions that are probably on our audience's minds. But I want to remind everybody, visit the question panel there in our webinar viewer, and you can key in some questions. We'll address those as we have time at the end of our presentation. I know there's a lot of different businesses out there. Certainly, Aaron, Jason, they're shipping so many different things in the world. A lot of people on the call have very unique supply chain scenarios. Can a TMS solve every logistics challenge? Aaron, is it a cure-all for all transportation management? Uh, that's a great question. I mean, uh, as said at the top of the call, there, there's no such thing as a, a silver bullet or an easy button. Um, and, and I've seen a, a wide variety of different TMS platforms, homegrown um, and, and, and abroad. So that applies to all real all TMSs in my opinion. Um, it, can it help with complex problems? Can it automate a lot of um, business practices? Absolutely. Um, is it a cure-all? No. Um, and really, frankly, a TMS is only as good as its inputs and outputs. And we're going to talk about that in a minute, how you can opt optimally leverage um, inputs and outputs to maximize the output of that TMS. But, you know, it is, it really is a parameter-based tool that allows you to configure that around business practices and is meant to execute a business strategy. And so uh, I would say don't ever let complexity um, be the, the thing that keeps you from going after a TMS and implementing. We've seen too many different instances. Everybody's got uniqueness in their process and some have significant complexity and some don't, but in every situation I've, I've come across in 20 years, We've always found a way to craft a solution around that business process and to bring benefit from a technology platform. Um, so don't ever let complexity or uniqueness be the thing that keeps you from pursuing it. But then also don't go in expecting that, you know, it, you hit a button and then it makes you coffee and you put your feet up and everything's done. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, Aaron, you know, I think you said something uh, very, very specific there that, that I want to highlight. Um, and, and that is the, the purpose of TMS is meant to execute a business strategy. I think that's so wise. Um, you know, your, your TMS is only as good as the intellectual capital that, that goes into it. And so um, if you think about, you know, how do you define those business rules? Where your business rules is your carrier procurement strategy. How do you plan to operate your business? What rules do you need to capture and, and what rules do you need to set up within TMS? so that the, the folks operating your business can then implement that operational activity into their daily workflow. Um, but then, you know, understanding that, that TMS is just for that purpose um, and, and not trying to force TMS to do something that it's not meant to do, like audit and compliance is a great example of that. Um, you know, it's important to have compliance rules set up um, outside of your TMS to understand how did you land your business strategy. But oftentimes companies um, can, can um, try and, and force a TMS down a path that maybe it really shouldn't go. Um, an example that'd be pulling audit into the function of a TMS. When, when you do uh, force it down that path, then um, if you think about uh, the, the reconciliation process of, of an audit stream. You have to develop some type of reconciliation queue. You're pushing work either onto the shipper or onto the carrier. Um, it can lengthen the pay cycle. And, and what you really need is an audit cycle that lives outside of a TMS. It's a contract-based audit where you can develop um, compliance rules to, to understand whether or not you land your, landed your business strategy. And then you take that data and you push it into a business intelligence solution that, that allows you to then measure against that strategy. And so it, it's really about understanding how, how do you get the best out of TMS? And, and that's really what, it, what it's meant to do is execute a business strategy. Yeah, I think uh, Jason, you hit the nail on the head. This, the, it really starts with upstream, making sure you have a good procurement strategy that goes into, you know, from a from pricing perspective with the carriers, having the optimal contracts, those types of things. You meet people a lot of times that, you know, have done a good job in that area, in the strategy side of the house. Um, but don't have the tool to execute. And so oftentimes people say, I saved X amount of dollars through some type of bid event or things of that nature, but they don't um, have a tool to execute. So they, they aren't recognizing those dollars. And usually when someone says, I, I've done a bid and saved X, I usually ask, well, how do you know you've saved X, right? Because you have to actually execute that business and make sure you're leveraging those carriers. Otherwise, you've got a really good strategy on paper, but not, not in practice and principle. And that, that's vice versa. You can have the best TMS on the planet. You can compare TMS to TMS. Every one of them is going to do similar functions. why they're called a TMS. But you could have your version of the best one. And if you put a bad strategy into it, you're going to automate bad decisions much more quick, quickly. And, and that's ultimately a bad result. And, and the only way you can tell if those things are happening is if you take the backside, the outside output of those TMSs from an audit perspective, from a, a BI perspective, and then measure how you're performing in those categories and then go back upstream and then readdress your strategy. By the way, your strategy is not going to be a set it and forget it anyway, right? Your customers don't sit still. Your marketplace doesn't sit still. Everything's continually changing in the marketplace. So because of that, it's important to have that, that those outputs coming from these systems to allow you to go back upstream and continue to refine that strategy to an optimal level. 
So we know transportation management systems can certainly meet unique demands of a business, but it might not be the silver bullet as we talked about for achieving that optimal performance from my supply chain. Jason, what else do I need to do to get the most out of my investment in a TMS? Yeah, great, great question, Michael. I, I think what we're talking about here is having a continuous improvement loop. Um, in, in order to maximize the value of your TMS, you, you really have to understand what are you trying to achieve. So it all starts with that procurement strategy that we've been discussing, understanding how do you want to execute your business, and, and then developing a standard outside of, of the TMS uh, from a compliance perspective to know did I or did I not land that strategy? And do I have a way to authenticate the data that comes out of that TMS um, so that I can use it for future measurement to measure against that strategy so I can improve that strategy over time? And so it, it really, it, it, it's an evolution. Um, you know, it, TMS on its own provides merit, but when you can uh, allow it to be a flexible solution that moves with your business, stays in front of the industry, um, it, it's it's very adaptive to uh, the disruption that's taking place. Uh, that's that's where you can drive the most value. I, I totally agree. Um, I, I think too, when you look at making an investment of some sort in a TMS, I think there are some things you can do to uh, minimize investment from a, a capex perspective. There's different ways to actually pursue that. Um, to, to find some offsetting savings that can help fund off, oftentimes fund these activities for those who don't have budgets or have budgetary constraints or aren't at that point in their journey, as Jason described earlier. And I think when you partner with someone to host that, um, I think there's a critical piece that most people miss about that partnering. Um, if you buy something or, or, or you know, own it, you're ultimately on the hook to maintain it. Um, and to furthermore, stay up to speed with market relevance, right? And so technology moves so fast, not just in logistics. I mean, you walk out of a cell phone store with a new phone and they're already launching a new one, right? And so, you know, it moves extremely quick and TMS is really isn't that different. The technology moves so fast that the burden of uh, and, the, and the pain with trying to remain market relevant in in and around technology and TMS and stay up to speed on the, on the bleeding edge of that technology is, is one that I would seek to avoid shouldering and, and bear that burden with a partner together and, and let that company um, continue to evolve their solutions and make sure that I'm, my company and my technology that I'm now benefiting from is the best, the, the best in class. Yeah, and uh, I, would, I would just say, Aaron, that's an excellent point. And it, it is about investment capital. Um, yeah, I mean, or intellectual capital, excuse me, to get the most out of your investment. So if you can partner with somebody that's already made that investment, you can absolutely um, get the the most value there. Um, from a perspective of how do you how do you do that with without um, a budget? Um, it's about creating an ROI case and being a change agent in your organization. And there are organizations out there that will help you identify, uh, you know, the, the areas of improvement and where you can um, help continue to drive efficiencies. And, and that's where I would say you can you can gain a lot of value if you're if you're in that small to mid cap range. Thanks, Jason. Good information from you. 
from Aaron as well. Court, you guys have covered a lot of important ground, but I know our audience probably still has a few more questions. Let's get into a few of those. And if you're out there and have a question, please submit it through the question panel. If we don't get your question, we'll follow up and respond after today's event. So let's take a look. Okay. There are TMS applications in the marketplace that include audit capabilities. What are the risks in adopting that process? Aaron, maybe you'd like to start off there. Actually, Aaron, you mind if I take that one? Um, I, I touched on that a little bit during our discussion. Um, and it, it's something that's near and dear to my heart because um, of, of some background experience I've had on the audit side of the house. Uh, but anytime you, you try and, and pull audit into a TMS, um, the, it, it becomes a match-based audit. So you have to decide um, what is that threshold that we're, we're going to allow um, for um, us to go ahead and be approved to pay. Um, you know, so if you think about, um, you know, truckload transactions, LTL transactions, um, those can be, you know, five, 10, 15, $20 um, in, in terms of threshold to let those pass through. Um, and it, you, you really lose the ability to audit against the forecasted contractual um, uh, rates when, when that lives within TMS. You also have to figure out how, to, how does it get reconciled? And so those typically go into a queue uh, to manage and, and then you either have to require your carrier to come into that queue and uh, resolve or, or reconcile that invoice so that they can be funded um, or that work gets left to to, to be enacted by the shipper. Um, in, in either case, it's an inefficient scenario. You have a shipper that is spending a lot of time on audit, um, or you have a carrier that's that's trying to fight for every every cent that they're due, um, and it, it increases the, um, the the timeline in, in terms of uh, a pay cycle. Uh, in, in reality, if you can have that live outside of the TMS, you can reconcile those invoices and you can uh, approach it from a root cause analysis perspective and, and then audit that against the contract, um, then, then it reduces the work on, on both sides of the fence and you're, you're able to close the gap quickly and do it efficiently and do it according to what you're expected to be paid based on the contracts that have been negotiated. <laughs> I couldn't agree more, Jason. I'm going to ask you though, from a from a carrier perspective, um, you know, the how does a carrier view the burden of having to go in and uh, and reconcile and fight for for their money, or if there's an elongated pay cycle, you know, what talk about the impacts that that, that carrier now has to account for and where they account for them? Yeah, I mean, any any time a carrier um, has additional work. That, that's required to uh, to recoup their funds, they're going to uh, take that work and and factor that back in on the rates that they provide their customer. Uh, so it becomes a rating ex exercise. Um, either you can make the process uh, easy for carriers to be funded and and allow them additional flexibility from a um, from a uh, carrier cost and operating cost perspective. Um, or if you make it more challenging, then you're ultimately uh, going to uh, to pay that within the race that you have negotiated. Thanks so much. Another question from our audience. 
you mentioned a $5 million spend justifying a purchase of a TMS. Can you provide more detail? Does it mean you spend $5 million in operational expense? This particular client was thinking to uh, uh, make an investment in shipping volume inbound and outbound versus dollar spend. So that's a question from our audience there. You may, you may take that one, Aaron. Go ahead. Yeah. Sure. So yeah, from, from a transportation management perspective, when, whenever you begin to, to get to that $5 million threshold, uh, and I just I, I use that uh, that calculation because that's that's typically when you have a pretty significant transactional volume and uh, you have additional complexity, and and your business rules uh, begin to uh, become large enough that it, without a systemic way to control those business rules, it, it's hard to manage um, with, without some some type of system. Um, you know, you can only live off of uh, routing guides and spreadsheets for for so long, and then at at that point, you you have to you have to develop a systemic way to to be able to execute that business strategy. The challenge um, is that that once you reach that uh, that that need, your organization may not have um, the, uh, the the capital to be able to help you develop a budget for that. Um, you know, companies of that size typically haven't made a lot of investment in technology. Some may not even have an ERP system at that point. Uh, and, and so until you really continue to grow and, and work with an organization that has experience in, in investing in that infrastructure uh, from a technology standpoint, whether it be an ERP system or a WMS system, um, you, you really don't get the focus of transportation execution um, and, until you you have a company that has experience in making those investments and seeing the ROI from them. I will I will come I'll second that. I think the question is it's a valid question though in the sense that um, you know it, it's not just the spend level. Those are some some general guidelines, but depending on your modal mix, you may reach that spend threshold much quicker than someone else, but you have, you know, fewer transactions, right, that get to that spend level, right? So, you know, it, it kind of depends. So I, I understand the question in nature and saying, you know, is maybe from a volume perspective or a transaction perspective, you know, that that may drive you to a TMS um, quicker than you reach a certain spend threshold. Um, that was, those are more general guidelines. I would say, transactionally speaking, it, you know, um, in, in other worlds where I've executed business rules for customers, um, you can have an individual um, who is executing against, you know, contract pricing on the truckload side of the house and LTL, and they can execute probably 40 to 50 transactions in, in a daily capacity. You know, and that's not just picking carriers, but that's managing the shipment and tracking tracing and, and all the ex exception management that goes with that. You know, so that kind of gives you an idea in terms of, okay, how many transactions are my individuals managing today ultimately? And like, where is that point where if I, if right now I'm taking a full FTE to manage 20 transactions, well, obviously I can increase that by giving that person back time, automating some of their business rules. Uh, and I may be able to do much, significantly more than that um, just because it's, it's highly automated and there's not a lot of exception management and then just focus on spot contract truckloads or other things of that nature. So the short answer is it depends on your modal mix. Um, but transactions are a driver of when you need to consider a TMS. 
from a pure activity standpoint alongside some of the spend thresholds that Jason just alluded to. Okay, moments ago we spoke a little bit about audit capabilities in a TMS application. His questions around business intelligence. Will a TMS deliver that kind of visibility for business intelligence? Um, there are some that will try. Um, that uh, and and we've seen some significant. You know, we've seen some that added some significant gains and 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 try to tuck that into the TMS. But as I said before, I think when you start to get outside of the functions that a TMS is designed for, or an ERP or a WMS, they they all do functions for a reason. They all exist for a reason. And when you meld those worlds together, they operate very successfully for customers. BI is in that same camp. Uh, TMS, generally speaking, produces operational business intelligence, so that's a component of what you need. Um, certainly, to understand number of transactions, you know, things of that nature. You know, carrier performance metrics are wrapped into that. Um, On-time service, etc. So there's elements that you're going to want to pull from that TMS into your BI platform. But going the reverse um, really yields limited benefit. Trying to force transportation knowledge-based business intelligence when you're talking about you know true landed cost that typically comes from an audit platform uh, and allows you to to better measure the impacts of true cost to serve for vendors for customers adjust top line revenue and profitability you know when you're getting into those worlds it's better to use an, a separate bi platform and pull the operational elements you need to from that tms into that same platform for one microscopic view Jason, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I would just echo what you're saying, Aaron. I mean, the the data within TMS is all forecasted information. The that information has not been reconciled yet from a cost perspective. So, it it is operational real time data, and so there there are uh, there is business intelligence that you can gain from that information, um, but it's all operational related data. So your, your operators are going to want to plug into that system and understand um, how can I manage my business better? Um, you know, what do, what do I need to uh, be focused on from an exception, exception management standpoint? Um, you know, it, it, where, where's my customer's order, you know, from a track and trace standpoint. So uh, there, there's a lot of good uh, real-time information that comes from TMS, but it's it's the here and the now. It's real-time. It's it's forecasted data. It's not reconciled data. So if you're looking for business intelligence information that you want to measure trends within your business, you want to get to um, some some financial information to be able to make good business decisions. Um, all all of that is is best served from reconciled. Uh, cost or landed cost or cost to serve. And so if you think about how do I, how can I analyze trends and then go make those changes in my business, you really want that to come through a, a post audit function where that data has, has already been validated. And, and then you're taking that data and specifically building uh, analytics to be able to, to, to drive those, uh, those BI functions in, in your business. And we've got some more time for questions from our audience here. Of course, submit them through our questions panel. And other questions to our panelists, if my company does not have a budget for TMS, and of course, this is the golden question, right? What <laughs> options do I have? 
Yeah, I, you know, um, there there are a lot of companies out there um, <laughs> that advertise a bunch of different ways. Um, there are companies that say, hey, we have a free TMS, uh, but they're, they're obviously um, funding that somehow. Um, there, there are other organizations out there that will help you build an ROI case. Um, ultimately, you have to decide, what, what am I going to use the TMS for? Um, and is the, is, am I going to gain a lot of value from that? Am I going to be able to uh, capture business rules and drive ROI? Um, and, and so think, think through that entire process and what the result's going to be. Um, and, and, you know, uh, begin to, uh, to, to drive that, that change management case in, in your organization. There are partners out there that can, that can help you identify those things um, and quantify them and then help you build that internal ROI case from a funding perspective. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's spot on, Jason. Um, when you look at, you know, making an investment of any type, I mean, whether you're outlaying CapEx or you're using some other funding mechanism to, you know, to ultimately offset that, a business case, an ROI case, um, it, it's important to, to, to sit down and, and make that business case for your leadership. And so one of the things I found, especially with TMS, is that when you're working with CFOs and others, there's a number of projects on deck, right? And most of the time there might be two or three other projects, four projects that are already um, in front of a, an initiative like TMS, right? So your challenge is to actually get yours advanced in that docket. And so the first thing you can do is ultimately talk through the, the, the timing of the existing projects and say, then those might be six months, a year, two, two years for an ERP implementation, right? Where you're spending a million dollars and implementing that over a course of time. Um, something like TMS though, number one, oftentimes has a much a more immediate ROI. Um, it's it, you're you're not number oftentimes you're not outlaying cash to start with. Um, it's large in conjunction with savings and offsetting you know ROI. So there's there's very little upfront cash that you have to outlay in many cases, and and it, therefore there's a much quicker payback period than any other project that's in front of a CFO. And so when you're able to say, hey, I'm able to fund this through X Y Z activity, and here's the ROI. And by the way, that ROI happens as soon as we go live and start moving forward. That's a quicker ROI than anything else that CFO has in front of them. Um, and and that now they can actually take the savings from your initiative in TMS and accelerate those other projects and reinvigorate those projects, right? And so that's a way for you to position not only the savings from an initiative like this and the self-funding mechanisms that may be attached to it, but also to position it so it doesn't become that's an initiative we'll take on in two to three years from now. That's an excellent point, Aaron. I mean, if you if you think about the CFO's perspective, transportation is is pretty far down the ledger item list, and and so to be able to get that type of ROI from something that far down the the, the list, um, that's that's pretty significant, and um, there's quite a, quite a bit of ROI that can be generated there for sure. Good information, and, and I'm going to jump around a little bit in some of the questions we've got because it's kind of on topic here uh, in terms of getting that ROI from start to finish. If you could build a timeline for TMS integration, what would you look like, and how how long would that be? You know, if you have two or three, three to five users, theoretically speaking, of course. 
So the so timeline for, for implementing, how, how long does it take to, to stand up? Is that the question I'm hearing, Michael? I believe that's it. Uh, for integration and, uh, and turn on live. Hmm. Yeah, so integration is a long pole in the tent. Um, so, you know, if now we typically find um, most people, integration is a big question mark. So the first thing you have to ask yourself is going back to that volume question that was asked earlier, right? You know, is it's always the is the juice worth the squeeze question, right? Is it worth going and, and investing, you know, some, some additional capital if that's required as part of your implementation uh, to, to do the integration? And what are the gains from that? Some folks who are starting with no system whatsoever actually get a lot of material gains and automation without integration and may start in one area and evolve to another. So what I mean is they may start by utilizing a TMS from a user's interaction perspective and then make a decision later on to say, what are the additional gains we get if we advance this to more a more integrated state? Um, integration for me is, is much more of a volume driven activity doesn't mean you couldn't integrate if you had a small membership, and you can. It's just a, a question of what value you get out of that. Saying out loud number of days it would take for an implementation, I would say that generally you find yourself in, you know, the 60 to 90 day range for a, a standardized implementation. Um, integration being inserted into that is probably going to put that closer, you know, into the 120 um, um, and in, Outwardly, it might be as far as, you know, to the six-month mark, but that's an exception, and that would be a highly customized integration that moves away from the more standardized integrations that are out there. Yeah, you know, um, I, I definitely don't want to oversimplify what you're saying, Aaron, because I think it's very important. Um, there are so many different ways to implement a TMS and so many things that go into it. If we were just going to say, you know, a, a standard implementation for, um, you know, a fairly complex TMS. I think 90 to 120 days is reasonable. Um, but the the evolution of, of TMS is, is I think, the, the most important uh, piece of, of the timing. Um, you know, when you when you first launch a TMS, the, the, the first thing that you want to do is to be able, again, capture your business rules, execute on those business rules, and it becomes a focus about transportation management, or I'll say it another way, carrier optimization. And so if you're optimizing the, the contracts that you've negotiated that you have in place, um, that, that's really, you know, step one, phase one. Um, step two or, or phase two, would be okay now that now that I have a good understanding of how to optimize my carrier relationships. Now I want to look at how, how do I how do I continue to optimize my footprint, and and that's really done through aggregation and consolidation. Uh, but that's another layer of visibility. And so when you think about the evolution of your business or the evolution of getting the most value out of TMS. Getting it off the ground is is just the the first step. Getting the best use of it over time and uh, continuing to evolve that solution, and, and it's easier to do with a, with a partner than it is to to do with yourself, um, or or managing it internally from a software standpoint. It, as long as you can continue to evolve those business rules and focus on the the optimization aspect. You're, you're going to continue to get significant value year after year. 
Yeah, I, I'll, I'll piggyback on that, Jason. I think what you just said is, is critical, the evolution of, of your TMS solution, but it's, it becomes easier to implement the change management associated with evolving that once you're on that platform. That platform is like, is the vehicle that takes you to ultimately your optimized supply chain, right? So that platform then allows you to continue navigating, continue um, adapting to your environment, and it's, and it's easier for you to affect change management because you can insert additional business pro uh, processes into this technology platform over time. So I do agree it's critical to evolve that. You know, on the short short answer, yeah, you can implement in the timeframes we talked about, but as Jason said, I would encourage you to continue to evolve your solution as your customers and your network evolves. Certainly, Aaron and Jason are a wealth of information here for our audience, but we also have a question about some advice on other resources that might be good for doing research into the different companies that offer TMS solutions in the marketplace. So, Jason, Aaron, how would you suggest somebody go about researching TMS solutions? Well, you know, it's it's uh, th there's a lot of industry information out there that you can access, first of all, but um, the 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 TMS applications are really broken down in, into three different categories. You have a subscription-based TMS that it's kind of a pay by the drink, um, and and there's sometimes there's even um, some some free options there if you're under a certain transaction level. Um, and then you have, um, you know, software that you can go out to the marketplace and purchase and then uh, manage yourself. That's a pretty significant investment. And then you have hosted solutions where you're really partnering with someone that's already made that investment um, and, and utilizing their services, their intellectual capital, their experience, their industry visibility. And, and you're able to, to really get the best of both worlds there, the infrastructure of a TMS and the expertise from a logistics perspective. Um, so, you know, it, it, a lot of times when you're out there doing industry research and you're trying to, to land on what's right for me, what's right for my business, um, you really have to start with the end in mind. Um, what do you want to accomplish? Um, are, are you just looking to optimize carrier rates or uh, are you are you looking to uh, have a robust solution that's going to allow you to implement aggregation and consolidation and some pretty complex things? Yeah, I, I agree. I think you know market information can be um, spotty, um, and I think it's oftentimes difficult for anyone who's done research on the topic to find an unbiased. Um, write-up that doesn't have something that's being sold with it. Um, so I, I fully understand the question. Um, th there are some some unbiased, I mean, semi-unbiased, if you will. I mean, you can always question the source of who's writing what, but um, at the end of the day, I think, you know, uh, Gartner and the Magic Quadrant does a good job of ranking providers in this technology space. They, they also rank folks in, in the BI platforms as well, but, you know, it, it and you can say whether or not there was, you know, funding that swayed an opinion or not either way. But at the end of the day, they do a pretty comprehensive write-up and rank those in different categories um, to help you better understand what that, that company's capabilities are and what may differentiate their platform from someone else's platform. Um, you know, some, some, some folks have proprietary tools that are woven into that. Some, some folks have, you know, a different you know, subset of offerings that are offshoots from the core of TMS, things like doc schedulers or other things that may be, 
you know, additive. But um, I would say that's one resource that I've used over the years to get a, a decent gauge um, at, from a, just an outside perspective that isn't um, peddling some something they're trying to sell me. So. Got a couple of questions coming in about the modal capabilities. So combine those, you know, would a TBS, TMS be more beneficial for domestic versus international shipments? And would you recommend a TMS for companies that are almost exclusively loose ground? And I believe that's probably small parcel there. Yeah, you know, Michael, I, I would say it's it's hard to develop a global solution from a TMS perspective, you know, when, when you start to, to think about what happens there in um, you know, other countries, intra-country movement, there's a lot of border crossings. And so it, it's easier, it's an easier path to separate those strategies and uh, really procure a, a, a TMS solution around your domestic or, or North American footprint. Um, and because there's, there's, uh, it's, it's, uh, the, the businesses operate differently. Um, so, uh, from, from that perspective, um, I, I would, I would recommend looking at, at different solutions from uh, when you consider that, that global aspect. Um, but from, uh, from an overall, um, strategic standpoint, when, when you think about, uh, the, the domestic solution or the North American solution and, and cross modal, uh, optimization, um, you know, there, there's really, uh, multiple strategies that you have to develop uh, within each mode. Um, you know, from from an LTL perspective, your strategy is different than from a truckload perspective, and uh, the same goes for for parcel. Parcel is very high volume. Um, you know, it it it's uh, best served when you can automate that function uh, versus having to uh, to uh, touch every single transaction, obviously. Um, and and you you also want uh, the to, to be able to automate um, as much as possible anyway you don't want to touch every single transaction so um, you know I, I would I would make the recommendation of un understand how how your your spend is is broken up from a management standpoint develop those individual strategies and and know your modal strategies and how you put that into TMS um, and and then use those business rules to then drive your consolidation path. I, I'll I'll add a couple of pieces there. I think you know TMS as TMS continues to evolve, you are seeing more and more modal solutions that are you know being incorporated. Um, and, and and some folks on the parcel side of the front, I mean small package there, many of them are already working with you know or directly integrated with um, you know some of those gorillas in the space, if you will. Um, and so, you know, there's sometimes a risk reward from pulling away from that and putting it into another TMS when there's some seamless activity that already built into that platform. But, you know, related to international, there, there are a number of TMSs that have aspects of international built in. Um, there are, you know, uh, many that can provide you port to door visibility because of that through the same TMS. Um, you know, the freight forwarding side of the activity. So you understand the steamship, the vessel, you know, the, you know, those, the, the port of origin, lots of things that you can see and then trace that all the way through to the domestic leg and link those in the same TMS. And really the biggest power of international in TMS is less about the transaction itself because very few people have, you know, figured out the tracking side of the house 
and tracking nautical miles. And most people wouldn't know how to translate how long that would be anyway. Uh, if you could tell how far out it was in, in, in on a 21 day, you know, run, but you know, it's really more about the documentation and compliance aspect and TMSs can absolutely help with that. Um, you know, there's up to 17 documents on an import or export, you know, your commercial invoice, your 7501s, different things that you have to have a record of, and many people don't have a good compliance um, program. And if you get audited, yeah, it's going to be a, 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 an ugly day if you can't produce those documents. So having that the ability to store those documents, create those documents, um, and store them in the TMS for future reference um, is a huge win for most people. Uh, and I would say that there are some are, that are, have been working with ACE and, and doing early clearings to help you kind of get your information to your customs broker uh, from the TMS ahead of time. So those are some other things that, you know, TMS could bring benefit to from an international perspective. But I think the sky's the limit in terms of modes. Um, I think we've seen varieties of things where you get into white glove, lots of other solutions that you would otherwise think that may be very hard to physically administer, but there are tools in the system that allow you to, to bring those into the discussion where they wouldn't have otherwise historically. As always, great information, and that's a good point to bring us to a conclusion as we approach the top of the hour. To our listeners, if we didn't get to your questions or you want to know more about some of those tools and solutions that are available, we'll be happy to follow up directly with you, or you can feel free to connect with Aaron and Jason directly. Use that contact information you see on the screen. To learn more about how you can leverage logistics technology as part of a holistic solution for your business, visit our website, transportationinsight.com. That's where you can access other webinars from our thought leaders. You can also follow us on LinkedIn and other social media channels and subscribe to our blog, The Expert Lens. Be sure to look for our podcast, The Supply Chain Masters. It's available wherever you get your podcast. Thank you to our panelists, Aaron, Jason. Thanks for sharing information with us today. Thank you, Michael. Take care, everybody. Thank you very much. Thanks, everyone. Whether your business is large or small, Transportation Insight delivers simple, insightful, reliable solutions powered by proprietary technology and data to create a sustainable advantage for you. On behalf of our panelists in Transportation Insight, thank you for joining us today. May you master the remainder of your day.